Good morning. So good to be with you this morning. I invite you to open your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. We are continuing Pastor Stephen's series on the uh, foundations of the church, the lay in the biblical foundation, and um, very thankful that we can look to the Word together this morning. Acts chapter 2. So, took a little time this week to learn from the internet what was foundational for life. I don't know if y'all know this or not, but if it's on the internet, it's true. And so I spent some time asking the internet, what is foundational to life? Well, as you could probably guess and imagine, there was a lot there. Um, But these are the types of words that the experts use to describe a successful life, a a happy life, a fulfilling life, healthy life. I'll let you be the judge on whether or not you need these to have a good life. One is to read 30 minutes a day. That if you read 30 minutes a day, you will have a happy life. Exercise on weekdays. So I'm going to tell you, I am not happy. My life is not happy based on that criteria. Harness the power of your influence. I don't know what that means. Rediscover childhood wonder. Um, Interesting, isn't it? These are from the experts. Uh, A healthy life, there has to be education. Education. In fact, the, the, the person who wrote this said education is more important than the food we eat, the air we breathe, the water we drink. Uh, That's pretty interesting. I suspect he wrote that just after lunch. Um, And if sweet tea isn't foundational to life, then what really is, by the way? Nobody said that in what they shared. And then there was this one individual who said... the key to a ha- happy, fulfilling, successful life, uh, have a good retirement plan. And another person said, don't be dependent on finances. So I'm not sure which one is right or what is wrong. The point is these experts make these uh, declarations, these claims based on their views, based on their experiences, their opinions, um, And what was clear in the little bit of time that I spent Googling is that there's no authority. There's no shared authority. This information doesn't come from the same source of authority. But that leads us to why we're gathered this morning as the church. What about the church? What is foundational to the church? What is foundational for this group of believers called Battleground? What is critical for us? A better question is, who determines what is foundational? Who determines what is important to the local church, to to us as a group of believers? I mean, who has that authoritative influence in us or over us as the church? So thankfully... Our Lord tells us clearly in Acts chapter 2 what is foundational. No need to scan the internet. No need to bring in a 
a church expert on church foundation, on what's healthy, what's important is that we open our Bibles to discover what the Scriptures teach us, what the Scriptures make clear for us. And so that's why we'll be in Acts chapter 2 this morning. So if you found your place in Acts chapter 2, I invite you to stand with me as we honor the reading of God's Word together. We will begin reading in verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Let's bow as we pray. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we ask that you speak to us this morning, that your spirit would fill this place and that your spirit would be revelatory to us as we understand what is foundational to us as the local church. God, would you anoint this time Use this broken vessel for your glory and your honor and help us to see, help us to understand, and help us to apply the scriptures to our lives. So we ask in Christ's name, amen. Thank you. Please be seated. So the main idea of the text, a healthy and sure foundation for the local church does life internally and intentionally with one another and externally with the non-believing community. So we know from chapter 2, verse 1, that the day of Pentecost has arrived. Pentecost was that 50th day we've learned a couple weeks ago from Pastor Stephen that this was the 50th day after Passover, also known in Scripture as the Feast of Weeks, one of those three feasts celebrated by the Jewish people. It was on this day that God kept his promise and sent the Holy Spirit. Do you remember when Jesus ascended into heaven, he said he was going to send a helper. And it was on this day that the helper came. The Holy Spirit came and filled these believers. It was this day that Peter preached this amazing, amazing sermon to the many people who had traveled to Jerusalem for this day of Pentecost. And did he ever preach? You can read and and see his sermon in Acts 1 and 2 and, and just be amazed at the power by which he spoke. This power that he was given by the Lord. Look with me at verse 37, and we understand how the people, the thousands that had come to Jerusalem for Pentecost, how they responded to this word from Peter. Verse 37, now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? 
And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And according to verse 41, thousands did. God moved in an amazing way, and 3,000, in fact, came to faith in Christ. So what we're seeing in verses 42 through 47 is the beginnings of this church made up of the 120, according to chapter 1, verse 15, the 120 believers that were already there, the apostles and others, plus the 3,000 that came to faith that day after Peter's sermon. So 3120 was the size of the very first church made up by these people. And what we're going to learn today from this church what a biblically sound foundation should look like and be. So in the text, I want you to see three foundational essentials that should exist if battleground is going to influence one another and we're going to influence our community together. So let's look at the first foundational essential, an ongoing devotion to spiritual maturity, an ongoing devotion to spiritual maturity. Acts 2, verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. So verse 42 is a picture of the means of grace. Uh, uh, What John Wesley would describe as the means of grace, how God blesses us through devotion to these means of grace, or one would say the benefits of redemption. As a redeemed people, there are, there's benefit to us, and that's what these means of grace are. And the means of grace are normal things, ordinary things. This, this is not some revelatory, explosive actions that have to take place. This is just very simple, basic, well, yeah, kind of things that are critical to be devoted Two, not after some experience. So we're fairly new to Battleground. And um, one of the things that I've discovered in, in the last year or so that churches are really after giving us an experience. And that's just not what is being described in verse 42. This is just ordinary, normal stuff. Not trying to create this experience So this new life in Christ, we know they were saved. So it's clear that in order to be spiritually mature, there there must be salvation. We can't be spiritually mature, right, if we're not followers of Christ, if we're not born again. So collectively, these saved people are devoting themselves to these normal means of grace, these benefits of being redeemed. And the word devoted here means to remain faithful, to persevere, to be ongoing. That's why you'll see the word ongoing in all three foundational essentials. Because this is not just a moment in time, but this is an ongoing. The verb language, the verb usage is showing us this is ongoing. This is not just a one-time moment. So they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. Number one, the apostles' teaching or apostolic teaching. Apostolic means those 
who were preaching and teaching were first-generation followers of Christ. What they were teaching is the very information they were given directly by the Lord Jesus. So that's why there's no longer apostles today. The apostles were those who learned from Christ directly, and they heard directly from him. And that's why they were able to do these many signs and wonders in verse 43, because those signs and wonders were validating the very words they were saying, what they were teaching, what they were helping these people understand and see. Because we know that the word of God is foundational to the life of the local church. I mean, if we're not preaching the scriptures, if we're not teaching the scriptures, then why are we even gathering? And unfortunately, you know this, I suspect the way I do, there's lots of churches who are not preaching scripture this morning. They're gathered together, but they want to teach us how to have a good day next this week or how to deal with this or how to deal with that. And there's no authoritative element to what they're saying. They're not devoted to the scriptures. And we know that the word of God is central and foundational to a God-exalting, God-honoring, gospel-centered community. That's God's design. That's the way God designed it from the very beginning. He, that the word would be taught to his church and his people would engage his word corporately like we are this morning, but also individually. In private, just me and him. Paul would tell Timothy, this young preacher in 1 Timothy 4.16, keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so you will have both yourself and your hearers. The word of God is central, it's foundational to who we are. And if you're going to grow in your faith, if, there, if there's a genuine desire to become more mature, spiritually mature, it does not happen apart from faithfulness to corporate teaching and to private learning. That's so important that we spend time in God's Word. And if you're in the same place today that you were this time last year, Last year, spiritually speaking, it's because you've neglected the scriptures. You've neglected spending time in God's word. And every one of us in here this morning, and every one of us who are watching this morning online, we have neglected God's word at some point, haven't we? And it's so difficult to to get back into that faithfulness to the scriptures because we allow so many things to keep us from it. But there is no spiritual growth apart from faithfulness to God's word. None. One of the tales, when someone comes to faith, you know, they make a profession of faith in Christ and and they'll make a statement like, I'm just not sure if it took. I'm just not sure if I'm truly born again. Well, time will tell based on your pursuit of the things of God through his word and what you say yes to and what you say no to. So this devotion 
to the apostles' teaching was the very first thing necessary in order to have that solid foundation that doctrine matters, the teachings of Scripture matter, and the purity of devotion from this first community of believers was not contaminated by culture. It was not contaminated by strategies or denominationalism. It was pure because they were focused on what God said and nothing more. So first we see that devotion to teaching. We we see it secondly in the fellowship. This Greek word here means to partner or to have partnership. It gives the idea of sharing in common, a real sense of connection between each other. So these new believers were devoting themselves to fellowship. Verse 46 says it was going on day by day. It was just what they did. It was not planned. It was not, not put on the calendar. It was just who they were, and they were doing it day by day. In other words, they were a part of one another's lives. Isolation as a follower of Christ is foreign to the scriptures. So isolation is in many ways very unhealthy. I came across a study that said Dementia is 50% more likely for the isolated. Heart disease, 30%. Risk of stroke, 25%. More likely for the isolated. And isolation causes intense grief. And it can cause grief for the loved one of the isolated. It's not God's plan for us to do life alone. And one of the great dangers of having that device with us is that we could get access to anything on the planet except for the person beside us, the people around us, because we're so immersed in what else is going on that we find ourselves in isolation. See, nowhere in scripture do we see Christianity lived out in isolation. Now, you might argue that the reason why someone might be isolated is because what the church does is not convenient. Meaning, I I don't do growth groups at Battleground because I'm just so busy with work and there's so much going on in our lives. We'd rather spend time as a family than be committed to a group of believers, our our schedules won't permit, the kids are just so busy. And what happens is we start living isolated lives from the very people who we are to be most closely fellowshipped with. Truth is, fellowship cannot be achieved without ample time. Us saying hello on Sunday morning is not fellowship. It's doing life together. It's sharing our lives with one another. And we're responsible to one another. We're responsible for one another. If we are all united in Christ, 
in who he is and what he's done for us. So the first church example is they were devoted to fellowship. Third, they were devoted to the breaking of bread. That's why I think the first church was a Baptist church. Because they were devoted to the breaking of bread. Now some commentators would say that this alone is speaking about the Lord's table. The breaking of bread, what we celebrate weekly in remembering the death and life of Christ. But here is talking more about the language being used here is speaking of sitting around the table and having a meal together, which led to the Lord's table sharing that together. Jude would describe it as a love feast, doing life together around the table. I, I, I love the fact that in order to be spiritually mature, we're doing life with people over a plate of food. Everybody's got to eat, right? And so if we got to eat, then let's eat together in some way, form, or fashion. And what has happened is we've convinced ourselves the reason why we can't do that is because, you know, gosh, our house is just not really set up for that. And, and uh, you know, I'm not really that much of a cook. And we, we convince ourselves of these things. I mean, what's wrong with grilled cheese and a bag of chips? I mean, wouldn't it be great if, if, if we get to the place of devotion as battleground that I'm okay coming to your house, you're okay coming to my house, having grilled cheese and a bag of chips and just doing life together? I mean, if you want to put a filet on the grill, man, I'm, I'm all right with that too, but um, we do, we break bread together. We, we do life together. Fourthly, we see the devotion to the prayers. If you want to learn more of biblical teaching when it comes to prayers, Luke is a great one to learn from. 40% of prayer mentioning in the New Testament comes from Luke, in the Gospel of Luke and also in Acts. So study those two books and you'll learn much about prayer, but this is the individual and community prayer in view. Community prayer is a part of community life, and it's a shared dependence on God. Daryl Bach said, prayer seeks God's direction and is dependent upon God because God's family of people do not work by feelings or intuition, but by actively submitting themselves to the Lord's direction. So, a sign of spiritual maturity is we're a praying people. And not just in word, meaning I'll pray for you, happy to pray for you, but never do. Never take the time to do that. And wouldn't you, would you agree with me that of all the spiritual disciplines, prayer is the one we neglect the most? I mean, we just fail to understand that we get to speak to the God of the universe and in return he speaks to us. Prayer matters. But the fifth we see here in the scriptures this uh, ongoing devotion to spiritual maturity. Number five is praising God. 
Acts 2.46, and day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God. So he's to be praised corporately. We see that because they're attending the temple together. They're praising God. And that's part of fellowship is to praise God together. Psalm 95 verse 1, O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make joyful noise to him with songs of praise for the Lord is a great God. There's this corporate praising of the Lord together. Sunday mornings is not an event. Sunday mornings is an opportunity for us to come walking in, to come limping in, and gather together to make much of him. That we gather to say to him in all of his holiness, God, you are greater than the week I just had. And God, you will be greater than the week that is to come. That he is holy and he is worthy to hear from his people. Remember, if we are a part of the body of Christ, we have been rescued from a damnation that would never, ever end. You better believe. (laughs) Lord, I praise you. And Lord, we praise you. Because apart from you, we would still be bound in our sin. Praise God. So we do it corporately, but but we also do it individually. Psalm 63, verse 3, Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. If we're going to be a spiritually mature people, devotion to sound biblical teaching, learning, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, praying and praising God, must be foundational. And when we are devoted to being a spiritually mature people, we will understand and accept the second foundational essential. Number two, an ongoing ministering to the needs of the saints. An ongoing ministering to the needs of the saints. Now, before we look at verses 44 and 45, let's be sure not to miss the context here. You've got thousands of people that have showed up to Jerusalem. And who've been born again. God has rescued them and given them salvation. They are now part of a, a, a group of people they, that they want to do life with day by day. But they came into town for just for a couple of days. So they got needs. <laughs> they didn't come planning to spend the rest of their lives in Jerusalem. So their context here is critical because... None of them wanted to return home from Pentecost. This is, I've been radically changed and I am with people that I want to be with. So how are they to survive these initial days with the basic needs of life? God was going to provide for them through the saints. That's what we're seeing in verse 44 and 45. All who believe were together and all had and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need, and having favor with all the people. 
I've heard this taught as the basis for socialism. The basis for, we, we just all need to sell what we have, put it in a pot, and then divvy it up equally. That is not what's being described here. It is nowhere near what is being described here. We have to understand that what happened on this day hasn't happened since. That this immediate need by all these thousands of people were being met by the believers. It's a picture of a people who didn't hold tightly to what they had possessed or, or, or what they had been given. All who had been born again, according to verse 44, were together and they had things in common. One commentator says it much better than I ever could when he said, when it says that they had all things in common, it simply means that they held whatever it was they possessed lightly in their hands, and if anybody else needed it, they released it easily. It's really easy when we're holding what we possess very lightly, it's really easy for us to give it so that a need might be met in the life of another when we acknowledge and recognize the very reason it's in my hand is because it was given to me by someone else. And the one who provides, the one who gives is the Lord. And so there's this willingness to let go of something in order on this day for something to be a need to be met. It's this idea of mutually caring for one another. It showed the depths of their fellowship and their maturity. All right, so if, it did, if it's not happened before, then how are we to, to glean from it? Let me, let me see if I can paint this picture. Have you ever said to anybody, let me know if I can do anything for you? Right? Sure, we all have said that. And we've all heard from someone, let me know if I can do anything for you. Here's what I think it means. Here's what I think it looks like in, the, in our lives. Hey, I'm on my way to your house. I've got supper. I know the kids have been sick this week, and I'm just going to drop it off. As opposed to, hey, let me know if you need anything. Does that make sense? Do you see the, the, the difference there, what I'm saying? I know you were out of town this past week, and you couldn't get to your grass, so me and my boys took care of your grass this week. It's unsolicited caring for one another. It's not to earn God's grace. It's not to earn God's favor. It's just it's what we do. It's who we are. I mean, there's, that's why fellowship is so important. That's why sharing life together is so important. Because if you're not sharing your life with others, how are they to know what's going on in your world? It's critical that we have the mentality of them before me. And it's easy to release those things when you know you've been given those very, thing, very same things. When the, we as the church are doing these types of things, living this way, it has impact on a lot of people. Not just the ones we're caring for, not just the ones we're loving on, not just the ones that we're ministering to their need in the moment. 
Acts 4, verse 32. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that they said said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. This voluntary voluntary meeting of needs, blessing others. That's the key phrase. How can I bless my brothers and sisters in Christ who God in his foreknowledge and God in his abundant goodness put me with? I mean, y'all do realize that you're a part of battleground not because it met one of your needs or one of your criteria for attending church, right? The reason why you're at battleground is because God in his goodness brought you into these people for his glory, to be used for his glory. And if we're going to be a devoted, if we're going to be devoted to God's way of doing things, foundational things, foundational work, there will be clear evidence not only to us but also to those who live around us that God is mighty and glorious and God does things that only he can do. And those very things bring him great glory. So let's be a community like that, right? I mean, let's, let's be a, a, the type of group of believers where we just do the normal stuff of Acts Two, that's, that's what we're called to do, a strong foundation, which leads to the foundational essential number three, an ongoing witness to a perishing people. Pretty strong word, isn't it? Perishing. Perishing people. Paul would tell the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, the way of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. They're not going to perish, church. They are perishing. They're perishing right now. So an ongoing witness to a perishing people. Look at, with me at Acts chapter 2, verse 43. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, verse 47. And having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. The word all here is not to have your socks blown off because of this great production or this, this great um, man-made thing. All here is to recognize that God is doing something, and I'm a part of it, and I'm blown away by it. That's Joey Denton, South Gastonia language being used. This is a, not a manufactured emotion. What so many churches are, are doing today, they're trying to manufacture this experience, and that's just not found here in Acts chapter 2. This all of God was at work through his church. So much so that the people outside of the church, as well as inside the church, were in awe of what God was doing. These miracles were happening, and all of it was pointing to him, not to each other, but to him. 
Hold your place there in Acts chapter 2. Go to Acts chapter 9. Let me give you an example of this very thing. Acts 9, beginning in verse 32. Now, as Peter went here and there among them all, he came down also to the saints who lived at Lydda. There he found a man named Aeneas, bedridden for eight years, who was paralyzed. And Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Rise and make your bed. And immediately he rose. And all the residents of Lydda and Sharon saw him. And here it is. And they turned to the Lord. God was doing these amazing things, these miraculous things. And as a result, people wanted to know, who is this? And I want to be a part of what he's doing. And they were coming to faith. Now, this is a good moment to be clear that God is sovereign over salvation. God is sovereign over salvation. F.F. Bruce, a really smart dude, said it's the Lord's prerogative to add new members to his own community. It is the joyful prerogative of existing members to welcome to the fellowship those who he has accepted. So daily, people were trusting Christ. They were becoming a part of the church. And daily, people were witnessing the devotion of this community to one another and to those outside of them. And the response was, I want to be a part of that. I I, I want to be a part of something like this. What we're seeing is the direct connection between a community that's pleasing to God and their influence and impact on the unbelieving community of outsiders. It's one of the things that the church has failed. I'm not saying battleground, but the church as a whole. We have allowed the line to be blurred between the church and those who think they are a part of the church when they're actually not. Those two things have kind of come together. And so there are many, many people who are not followers of Christ who are a part of the local church because the church has failed to say the church is made up of the redeemed, period, and not others outside of the redeemed. So a loving, caring, providing people will be infectious to a people, void of care, void of provision and genuine love. Whatever it was you went through in the last little bit that was so difficult, tragedy, trauma, loss of a loved one, whatever it was, could you imagine going through that very same thing without the church? Without God using his people to minister to us during this tragedy or trauma. But they're doing it all the time. All the time. Thirty-eight percent. I'm just going to use Kings Mountain. Thirty-eight percent of Kings Mountain has zero religious affiliation. 38%, which equates to current population of about 4,400 people. And best I can tell, there's about 20 evangelical churches in Kings Mountain. There may be more, so if it's not 20, don't be mad at me, but I'm just, I'm just, 
So if all 20 churches got serious about reaching the lost of Kings Mountain, that's 200, give or take, believers per church. There's plenty of work to be done in Kings Mountain. Right across the line, Gaston County line, which is right there, there's a lot of work to be done. So we need to devote ourselves to God. We need to devote ourselves to our neighbor. We need to devote ourselves to submitting ourselves to the Lord and see what he does. This is foundational. This is not flashy. This is just foundational. So how do we bring personal application to a very clear biblical teaching for the church? This is the so what that Pastor Stephen presents to us every week. Here's the question I want you to ask yourselves. Am I strengthening or weakening the foundation of battleground? Me, Joey Denton, you, are we strengthening or weakening the foundation of battleground? The text helps us see that these foundational essentials are not once and done. It's not a checklist, but it's a way of life. It's how we do life. So if it's the way we are to live, how do, why do we struggle with it, right? I mean, I mean, it's clear. God tells us to do it, but why do we struggle with it? Why do we, why do we have a hard time with it? Well, I mean, I would submit to you we... We forget who we are in Christ. We kind of get comfortable with our sin. We, we justify our sin. We, um, we get to a place where we care very little or not at all for the things of God, God's mission. We, we fail to understand what God's mission is. J.D. Greer said, God doesn't have a mission for the church. He made a church for his mission. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So if you're still in Acts, hang a right. If you see Timothy and Thessalonians, you've gone too far. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I mean, we're here for a purpose, right? I mean, battleground was planted here for a purpose, for what God had intended. And Paul would say in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning in verse 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. He gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Reconciling the world to God through the gospel, that's why he made the church. To reconcile the world to himself. This is a strong, reconciled people is a strongly devoted community. It's foundational. And we get so wrapped up in our stuff that we forget there is a perishing people out there. So again, as a member of this gospel community, are you strengthening the foundation or are you weakening the foundation? And you know pretty quickly whether you are or not. Nobody has to, you don't have to really process it's, it's pretty obvious. So this 
devotion that we're called to is the opposite. Are you not subjecting yourself to biblical truth? Now, you are this morning, well done, high five, but are you doing it daily with him, individually? Not in faithful fellowship with other saints, not allowing others into your life because your life is too busy, not praying individually or corporately, petitioning God, but very rarely praising him and no care for the spiritual or physical needs of others. If you would confess, and you know right now, I am weakening the foundation. I admit it, I'm weakening the foundation. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Father, I, I, I admit, I'm a, I'm a part of battleground, but I've allowed life to affect me to the point where I've weakened the foundation of your church. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Make me whole again in you to where I'd be a strength of this body of believers. Thank God <laughs> that we can confess our sin to him and he forgives us amen proverbs 4 23 would say keep your heart with all vigilance for from it flows the springs of life put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far away from you let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you ponder the path of your feet then all your ways will be sure do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. I want to be a strength to the foundation. I want to strengthen the foundation with my life. But I fail to do that. But this morning and this week of study has helped me see that I got work I got to do. If I'm going to be a help to what God is doing through battleground and through this community. Maybe you see that in yourself. So let's be a people who strengthen the foundation of the Lord's church. Right? I mean, that's the application. It's not let go and let God. It's trust God and get to work. So let's get to work, church. Bow with me as we pray. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we bow and confess that we want to be a people who strengthens the foundation of your church. And for those of us, God, who would confess that we are weakening the foundation, God, help us. Help us see where we need to get to work. Lord, Strengthen the foundation of battleground. May we be a devoted people. And God, would you grow the influence and the impact of this church in this community so that your great name might be made known and thousands, oh God, thousands would come to faith through the ministry of these people your church, Jesus' name, amen.